because you know we didn't do it. Especially with the newspaper and the um, justice system in cahoots against one person. They, they go and they take it and they run with it and they will try you in the media before they even get you into the courtroom. And that's exactly what they did to John. All of them feel like he's innocent because the, a lot of them actually are older than me and have known John. Grew up with him, um, know him personally, actually better than I know him. So, I mean, uh, some of them actually went to high school with John, um, know him on a very personal level. So, and have said the same thing. John didn't do it. John didn't do that. They went to his grandparents' house. They didn't ask his grandparents any questions. They didn't ask his brother. They didn't ask his mother. They have. They didn't ask a neighbor. They don't want somebody to defend his. His. They obviously didn't ask him any questions. You know, and they still have yet to ask him any questions. If they don't come to you to to interview you, like his mother or someone. If they're not asking you, you're not, if they only want the one side. You understand what I'm saying? They only want the side that makes him look bad. We the jury find the defendant, John Cortez Peel, guilty of first degree premeditating. <laughs> Hello, this is a prepaid debit call from John Kehoe. An inmate at the Michigan Department of Corrections, Muskegon Correctional Facility. From a 7 by 10 foot cell of a Michigan prison, I am John Ortiz Kehoe, and welcome to Creating a Cannibal. Creating a Cannibal is a podcast dedicated to exposing the truth behind the wrongful conviction that left me labeled as a monster and sent me to die in prison. Now, for the first time, you are about to hear the true story of what happened inside and outside of the courtroom. I'll reveal the names of witnesses who took the stand and tell you what they said. You'll find out who was actually involved and learn about the role they played in framing me for a crime I didn't commit. For 20 years, I was silenced by the concrete walls and razor wire that surrounds me. And for 20 years, the media ran with the one-sided version of this case. A version that is full of distorted evidence and outright lies. They gave you sensational headlines. But me, I'm giving you the truth. After striking deals with several jailhouse rats and forcing the jury to sit and listen to fraudulent testimony from those bottom feeders of society, Assistant Prosecutor Kelsey looked for a way to sucker the jury into believing his witnesses had some credibility. So he turned to the Michigan State Police Crime Lab and called a series of expert witnesses to the stand. He was hoping their explanation of the evidence would pass the jury scrutiny without having the experts actually comment on whether the evidence fit with Bill Brown's story of what happened. This is Creating a Cannibal, Episode 9, Experts and the Evidence. After presenting the testimony of Bill Brown and a cast of supporting witnesses, Assistant Prosecutor Kelsey was ready to roll out the physical evidence. One by one, a team of forensic investigators from the Michigan State Police Crime Lab were called to the witness stand for the purpose of explaining the evidence they collected and describing how it was found. 
First up, was Detective Sergeant Gregory Michaud, from the Crime Lab's Forensic Science Division. Detective Sergeant Gregory Michaud is qualified as an expert in latent fingerprint examination and comparison. Sergeant Michaud testified, that he processed the Albion house for the presence of fingerprints. After conducting a thorough search of the house, Sergeant Michaud said he was only able to locate one fingerprint belonging to Bill Brown. The fingerprint was lifted from a bottle of blackberry brandy, found in the linen closet. Assistant Prosecutor Kelsey told the jury, the fingerprint proved Bill Brown's story, was true. Laboratory scientist Amy Michaud was called to the witness stand next. Scientist Amy Michaud worked for the Trace Evidence Unit of the Michigan State Police Crime Lab. Scientist Michaud also described how she applied the chemical luminol throughout the Albion home, attempting to locate the presence of blood. Scientist Michaud, testified that she observed a positive reaction from the luminol, on the carpeting at the top of the basement stairway. Scientist Michaud said the shape of the reaction was in a round circular pattern, and was a perfect match, with the bottom of a bucket found inside of the house. Assistant Prosecutor Kelsey told the jury, that the stain on the carpeting must have come from the bottom of a bloody bucket. However, what scientist Amy Michaud did not tell the jury, was that luminol can also give false positive reactions to common household cleaning products containing bleach, and when further analysis was conducted on the carpeting, the test did not confirm the presence of blood. Following scientist Michaud, laboratory scientist Heather Milch was called to the witness stand. Laboratory scientist Heather Milch worked as a serologist, for the Michigan State Police Crime Lab. Her expertise is the science involving the characterization of biological fluids. Scientist Milch testified that she found one droplet of blood, near a phone on a hallway wall. The droplet of blood was located on the wall, approximately four feet up from the floor. Scientist Milch told the jury that when the droplet of blood was analyzed, it was a positive match with Ms. Larner's DNA profile. When each of the experts were asked if their findings could prove, how Ms. Larner died, or who was responsible for her death, each expert witness answered, no. And even though, the team of crime scene investigators conducted a thorough search, of key locations described in Bill Brown's story, not one investigator was able to find any evidence of the grisly crime scene Bill Brown spoke of. Furthermore, Assistant Prosecutor Kelsey also failed to disclose, the results of every analysis conducted by his expert witnesses, from the Michigan State Police Crime Lab. An electrical cord from a portable radio, was recovered from the house in Albion. The cord was admitted into evidence by the prosecution. Bill Brown told the jury, that John used the cord to strangle Ms. Larner. Unbeknownst to the jury however, was that forensic specialist Heather Milch, and fingerprint expert Gregory Michaud examined the alleged murder weapon, and they were unable to detect the presence of fingerprints, blood, or human tissue on the cord. In addition to processing the house in Albion for trace evidence, a team of investigators from the Michigan State Police Crime Lab, also conducted an extensive search of the Brown family's lakeside property. Dr. Norman Sauer confirmed that he accompanied the team of investigators from the Michigan State Police Crime Lab, during their search of the property. Dr. Norman Sauer is a certified forensic anthropologist whose specialization is human skeletal material. Dr. Sauer, 
testified that he led the team of investigators during their excavation of the fire pit, at the Browns family property. Dr. Sauer said the search resembled an archaeological dig, and it took his team nine hours, to methodically remove all of the debris from the fire pit and screen it. At the end of their search, the team was only able to uncover, eight tiny bone chips. Something very fishy also happened while the doctor and his team were excavating the fire pit. Dr. Sauer said, that Russell Brown Sr., handed him a piece of bone that Russell Sr. claimed he found, on the lake's shoreline. When Dr. Sauer was asked if anyone witnesses Russell Brown Sr. find the bone, Dr. Sauer said no. Nevertheless, it was Dr. Norman Sauer who was responsible for examining the specimens of bone, that were collected from both the Browns' property, and the house in Albion. Dr. Norman Sauer stated, that the small fragments of bone found at the Browns' lakeside property, including the piece of bone found by Russell Brown Sr., were all proven to be human bone. Dr. Norman Sauer continued his testimony, by stating that the bone fragments found in the sump pump of the Albion home, were not as likely to be human. After explaining his findings, Dr. Sauer was excused from the witness stand. And with the last of assistant prosecutor Kelsey's case presented to the jury, the prosecution rested. It was now time for the defense to present its case. Defense attorney Jerome Sabata, called John Ortiz Kiko, to the witness stand. We can argue about the evidence until I grow old and die behind these bars, but none of it is going to tell you who did what. What the evidence does prove, or what the lack of evidence proves, is that Bill Brown's story couldn't have happened. Because if someone committed such a gruesome act inside of that tiny bathroom, their team of experts would have found something. And believe me, they looked. They sprayed their sprays, they tore apart the shower, and they totally dismantled the entire drainage system inside of the bathroom. They found nothing. No blood, no hair, not one speck of anything. And by now, we all know enough about crime scenes and forensic investigations to know that once that stuff is there, you can't get rid of it. Yet, during my trial, not one of the prosecution's experts were asked if Bill Brown's story was credible when no evidence was found inside of the bathroom. And my hack of a lawyer never called an expert of his own. But it's obvious to anyone with half a brain that Bill Brown's story is a lie. And soon, You'll finally hear for yourself what actually happened that night. Next time in episode 10, John Speaks. Thank you for listening to Creating a Cannibal, an Amaron production. Make sure you follow me on social media and check out my blog for a more in-depth look at how I was framed. Creating a Cannibal is a podcast produced under Amaron Productions. Gerardo G. Gonzalez Jr., Robert D. Tab, and Lucas Sampson are editorial advisors, Emerald Santos our executive producer and the one who mixed our show. Our theme music are Excellent Adventure and France vs. Korea composed by Ari De Niro. Our website is creatingacannibal.wordpress.com. Special thanks to Mr. John Ortiz Kino for sharing his side of story. Also visit John's blog website where you can see documents from the case, johnortiz-kiho.blogspot.com.